past. Make sure to etch your own path in the pantheon of human history. This has been Black History Month 365. BAM! 365, where you find every day black history is made. Listeners should be aware that the following program contains language and audio images which may be found disturbing and may not be suitable for your snotty-nosed little brat who probably cusses like a sailor behind your back anyway. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings and welcome to tonight's edition of Technology Bites. Yes, tonight, Technology Bites. The double penultimate episode. Welcome to Technology Bites. I'm Jay Lee. I'm Peter Hughes. I'm Flicted. I'm Barry. I'm Lee. And he's... Rubaus. And in the studio tonight, D. White Silverman. I'm Dwight. <laughs> Dwight. It's the D. I almost jumped in on Lee because that's where I would <laughs> jumped in. Old habits die hard. I had. Right. I, I tried to get my. Since I'm hiding in the booth today to make room, I had to get my voice out there fast. So now I feel bad because I invited Dwight here, and Groovehouse is kind of like shuffling around. He'll be fine. Uh, what are you doing with that folding chair, Groovehouse? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have a technology bike cage match this Wednesday. It ain't musical chairs. <laughs> now I got Peter Hughes in the studio. It's almost as if there's something special happening tonight. A very mm. special episode. <laughs> a very, a very special endearing episode. Where did Technology special. Bites touch your heart? It's the Hallmark episode. 
Hold up the circuit board and show us where Technology <laughs> Bites touched you. What's that? The show fell down the well. <laughs> it did. It did. Nice. Well, we have we have news we want to share with you tonight, and uh, we were supposed to discuss how we're going to break it, but then it just kind of collapsed. It broke. Kind of broke. It broke itself. It broke itself. But uh, this is uh, we are announcing tonight that Technology Bites is going off the air. We are. We are resigning our position here at KPFT and bringing Technology Bytes to a close after 22 years. So we'll be broadcasting our last show on March the 1st. So we, you have tonight, you have next week, and the following week, and then that's it. So long, and thanks for all the fish. But wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. There's more. On that Friday following the final show. On the first Friday before <laughs> the second Saturday. <laughs> the first Friday after the last show. Five golden the, rings. Somebody. We finally have this down. It's a shame we're pulling the plug. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to have the best shows ever because all of a sudden, a white, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be like, oh, now, now everything's going right. Everything's working. We've got Pete in the studio like we've always wanted. we got Dwight back, you know. It's just everything's falling into place, and then we're going to walk away. Perfect show. The perfect, perfect ending. Sign the perfect show. Go on top. We're going to have, Pete, go ahead and tell us what we're going to have. Tell, <laughs> tell the audience the, what they want. The, the geek gathering will yeah. be the kind of farewell party for technology. We're calling bites. it the 404 the, party. The 404 not found party. Yeah, well, and it's going to be it's going to be at Pete's house. <laughs> in San Antonio. You'll have to call so it Good luck finding it. Which is 404 <laughs> Pete Drive. Did you say the EOL show? EOL. Okay. I, 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 I wasn't sure if you said AOL or EOL. <laughs> so we know, it's not like we're disappearing. We all know that it's not like it. Where'd they go? Can someone so, find them? No, I guess we're, we, we're it, done. Technically, it would be the what is it, 22nd anniversary slash final show? It's going to be... Uh, close enough to... We got in the, that year. I mean, it, right. it was only to, like, it, May or June. We'll just call year. it the 404 Wake. There you go. My personal theory... Or the Woke. My, my personal theory <laughs> about woke. why the show is ending yeah. is because, um, because this month is my 15th year on the show. And so it's probably about Barrett's 15th year on the show. And I think Jay and Peter wanted to end it before Barrett's and my tenure got to the point where it was st statistically insignificant how, the difference between how long they had been on the show and uh, we've been on the show. Yes, yes, indeed. You were, you were, you were gaining legitimacy, <laughs> and we had to put the kibosh on that. Now, we invite you to... Uh, you know, if you want to call in tonight and share your memories of Technology Bytes, you can call in at 713-526-5738. Hey, on the plus side, we don't have to figure out what chat software we're going to use anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can still talk to us on uh, chat.geekradio.com. Chat we, we should just finish on IRC. <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and just, just restart it. We're just going to play go some background no, music. It's still running. Oh, it is. Yeah, I, I'm I, headed I out to, uh, so we're at failure.net, though. IRC.failure.net. Right. Um, the, the DNS is still there for whatever irc.geekradio.com. Is there anybody too. on it besides you? Let's see. There's. I don't think there's anybody on the other chat right now. I don't see anybody else logged Usually in. Usually it's either Elmo or Ophelia and Virtual Afflicted. Hmm. But you can go to chat.geekradio.com and hang out. You can go to irc.geekradio.com. You know, if we were doing more shows, I could set up the IRC bridge between between the two things because Mattermost has an IRC bridge. But now it's just now it's not even worth bothering <laughs> with. I'm not even going to do it. 
You're not gonna, you you just, go. all of a sudden apathy washes <clears throat> over yeah, you. Yeah, I've I've spent too much. I, I've had too much of my professional life result in like you know effort that's turned into nothing as project goals have changed and shifted. I'd rather not bring that you know that pathos into my into my free time geek radio volunteer stuff too. The the real reason we're ending the show is that after after. 22 years of fun drives and asking for money and all that stuff. Now we have finally perfected our own ransomware that we're going nice. to release out onto the world after the last show. Because, of course, you don't want to have you know where we're on the air and can be found. Man, I just thought it was that we had actually we had finished technology news. We had reported on literally all of the news. It the was we got to the end <laughs> and it's over now and there's nothing else to Consider do. Consider this your graduation, audience. <laughs> There will be one final test, and then you will have your geek diploma, and off you'll go. Maybe you'll do your own radio show. And the final test is you have to install Arch Linux and faster than Barrett can do it. No, the final test, obviously, is you'll have to install Windows 95 on top of itself. <laughs> <laughs> I think, actually, a significant percentage of our audience could probably do that. That where You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> actually, um... 95C or one of the, the the original builds like not like 95 whatever one you have and whatever one whatever's installed and whatever you happen <laughs> to have media for okay. and you just hope for the best okay. it usually works out what's that flicked in uh, last week or the week before um, I installed uh, an IRC a web-based IRC client so actually if you go in a web browser to irc.failure.net you don't have to have an IRC client. You can just do it in, in a web browser. Is it a hilariously insecure Java one? Because that's really the only kind of web IRC client I like to use. No, I think it's done in Node.js. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> where's the fun in that? It's running Kiwi IRC, <laughs> it looks like. Yeah, that's what it is. So Urban, <laughs> Urban Houstonian uh, asked us if, uh, if uh, this was expect, expected, question mark. And I said, yes, Jay Lee wasn't pushed he jumped <laughs> jay lee's been trying to leave since year two that's right <laughs> that's what i heard well we, we had a conversation about maybe doing a like a survivor last batch of shows where each host would get voted off the island and then as a supreme shocker i could get voted off first no that would be no no what would happen a shocker if you got <laughs> right i wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say I missed Only it. Only the election was rigged. <laughs> no, what would happen is you'd wake up, and it would be like Wednesday again, and then you'd do the show, and you'd try to quit, and you'd blow the station up or whatever, and then you'd wake up, and it'd be Wednesday again, and then you'd have to like come into the show, and everything would be fine. Geek hog day. Be, yeah, geek, oh, geek hog day. <laughs> Groundhog geek. Or that Tom Cruise movie where he did the same thing that <clears throat> nobody saw. Oh, yeah, that was, that was an all right movie. Have we terrible. told Khan about this? Does he? Yeah, I told Khan. I told Khan that... Uh, we were wrapping it up and uh -huh. that we wanted to have exclusive rights to cons for the geek gathering, the final party, and uh -huh. he said, cool. Uh -huh. And he also commented that, you know, our crowds were down a little bit. So I think he's ready to get the space used for something else. <laughs> so he's not worried about going out of business. I, I don't think so. Not con, but, uh, right. yeah, but we will be having a, a final geek gathering uh, on March the 3rd. And, you know, all of you people who keep saying you're going to come out and wish you had time to come out, well, this is your last chance. Your last chance. Yeah. It's not like the last chance to pledge where, you know, if things will continue on. This is the last chance for all of it. It's the, what is it, the last chance to see the, the Douglas Adams book? <laughs> yes. I love that book. And I, I love the, the, have you seen Last Chance to See uh, 
the revisited version? I, I have not. That was Stephen Fry, where they not. go back to those places and oh. see which animals actually survived. <laughs> and prove that it was a lie. It was, in fact, not the last chance. No, it's, several of them were the last oh. chance. Oh. Yeah. Way to take the wind out of my sails. It's sad. <laughs> you know, things going extinct and ceasing to exist are sad. Except for this. <laughs> this is happy. All right, so what we're going to do is, like, we're, again, we're going to give you the phone number, 713-526-573, if you want to be on the air. We're going to switch now over to Peter Hughes in the studio, the Technology Bytes Info Shot. Get to enjoy the theme for the Info Shot just a few more times in your life. So take it away, Info Shot. It's the Technology Bytes Info Shot. Technology news and commentary by Peter Hughes. Injected directly into your skull. Yeah, it's a it's a relatively short one, so don't uh, don't don't wander too far away. Uh, anyways, uh, um, I guess sort of main story. I uh, found this at Fast Company, um, and given that that makes it kind of uh, sort of more mainstream. Fake news. <clears throat> it says it starts with your computer has been locked. To unlock it, unlock it, you are obliged to pay a fine of five hundred dollars. A day-ruining phrase like this is coming to a screen near you and sooner than you might expect. Uh, one recent estimate says that even as malware attacks slowed, there were 638 million ransomware attack attempts last year, up from 3.8 million in 2015. Uh, still, fresh research by AVG Business indicates one in three small businesses are still clueless about it. Uh, you, you probably haven't heard of things like Crypto Locker or Popcorn Time, but those have enabled amateur hackers to operate what amounts to an old-fashioned extortion racket on a global scale, and a very lucrative one at that. Uh, according to IBM, cyber criminals are thought to have made an eye-watering $1 billion from ransomware last year. What's more, half of the executives who paid up handed over more than $10,000 to the criminals, and 20% paid over 40000 It's been estimated that in the first half of 2016 alone, one gang, just one gang, of ransomware hackers made an estimated $121 million. Uh, Ransom-seeking coders and social engineers, the majority of them Russian speakers, according to Moscow-based Kaspersky Labs, so they should know. Uh, they initially targeted individuals, then they moved on to small businesses, their corporate big brothers, and now hospitals, hotels, railways, the police, and government, where sensitive, personally identifiable information is abundant. More than a dozen hospitals have reported ransomware attacks in the past year, including Hollywood Presbyterian, which was told to pay $3.4 million if they wanted their data back. Uh, last month, the police department in Texas reported that it had lost years of evidence after refusing to pay the ransom, while the Washington, D.C. police announced it had discovered that many of the recorders for its closed-circuit TV cameras had been infected by ransomware just days before the presidential inauguration. Uh, and then earlier this month, the government of Licking, Ohio, confirmed that its computer systems had been taken over by ransomware. There's also, you know, there's if you watch, there's stories all around. They they're sort of they don't make the front page, but they're out there. There was one where the um, there was a resort where a bunch of the people were locked in their rooms or out of their rooms, depending on where they were when the ransomware attack happened. Um, and the Internet of Things is not helping with that um so and the ransoms that they're asking for you know because they're uh um 
you know, most of the ransomware attacks are being targeted at small businesses and startups, with ransoms ranging from $500 to $50,000. And the numbers are growing. Symantec estimates that the average ransom demanded in 2016 was $679, more than double the $295 from the end of 2015. So isn't that nice? So there'll there'll be a nice thing they'll add that onto the nightly business report. What's the average ransomware cost you can expect to pay? So uh you know, the thing about it is once they've got your data, uh oh, let's see the uh um Research by IBM suggests executives are more liable to settle than individuals. In response, the FBI is urging victims to report attacks to them, regardless of whether they paid, so that the FBI can get a better understanding of the scale of the threat in the U.S. and its impact on victims. Their advice is not to pay any ransom. Of course, the people who have paid so far, I think, have gotten their stuff back. But uh, um, if they don't, delete your data you know if you don't pay and they don't delete your data they could leak it online or sell it to the highest bidder um, another form of ransomware can take a screenshot or extract a particular file and upload it to the thief who can increase the ransom based on what he sees so isn't that nice it's like then it's like a game show <laughs> now how, how much, much will would you pay, you pay? <laughs> i'd ransom that for a dollar um so uh more worrisome, ransomware doesn't take advanced technical skills to operate. The software can be bought off the shelf or even rented. Ransomware as a service, RAS, I guess you'd call it, allows criminals who don't have the technical expertise to rent an existing botnet of infected computers that can be used can be used to infect new computers. The criminals then get a paid commission on every successful ransom. And so don't, you know, if you're a Mac user, don't feel all haughty and safe or a Linux user, <laughs> you know, don't think that obscurity will save you because you're running Linux on your desktop. Uh, according to a new study by security firm Fish Labs, that's P-H-I-S-H. I don't know that they're related to the band in any way, but uh, though, um, though Windows is the most targeted operating system, more malware is being created specifically for OS X, Linux, and server operating systems. Of course, because it's like go where the money is. You you ransom somebody's, uh, you know, you when somebody, you know, your your Windows laptop is now under our control. You must pay us a three hundred dollar ransom. Half the time, you could probably just throw it in a dumpster and come out ahead. But you know, when it's your twenty two hundred dollar MacBook Pro with Retina display and you know, toolbar and all that, you're probably going to pony up more. So there's an incentive there to uh, um, to uh, to go after you. So, you know, the key things, I guess, to be prepared for it is, one, if you have good backups, then they can't, you know, if you have good backups and you are securing those backups, then you have a chance to, to uh, tell the ransomware people where to go and then just reinstall your stuff. But if you don't, and and the thing is, I I know I'm seeing them. I don't know about uh, I don't know about the rest of the guys in the studio, but the the number of those, you know, there's. I think that a lot of the ransomware is going where it's a dual thing. It's a phishing thing and a or and or a ransomware, where you get the PDF where it's a bill, you know, last invoice <laughs> or that those documents I told you about is the you know ends up being the subject. Um, or, or Tech Bytes final show. <laughs> no. mm -hmm. 
<laughs> but uh, you know where you get those those random PDFs or where it's supposed to be an invoice or which works great on business because of course the person who's receiving that stuff gets that all the time and so they click on it and open it and bang you're on usually you're right, right on the good machine that you would want which is the one that controls the books so uh um you you know you need to be careful and and uh um the uh you know some of the suggestions i don't know the one suggestion on in this article says uh to use a good public cloud service to provide you with a remote backup but that seems to me like why don't you just just scatter your stuff out where anybody can take it? You know that that might not get you ransomware, but it seems to me it might get you to have your stuff lifted. So I, you know, I don't know what's the best solution. Um, so uh, there there are there are some pieces of software out there. You may want to research them. I would want to have tried things out with them and seen more reviews before I'm gonna mentioned them on the air so uh um just know that it's a growing thing and a big place on this is the uh is coming through your email that's a big source for this coming in and so look at who it's from and before you open an attachment um and make sure that you really are certain that 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 it's come from who you expect it to have come from before you launch it so uh and then in, in better news just interesting uh, it's kind of clever. Um, the IBM and the Weather Channel have a new app, and you know one of the things that's sort of a problem is, well, as people may have experienced in Houston recently, uh, when the bad weather comes through, often that means the power goes out, and so the internet goes out, and maybe the cell tower near your house goes out, or the data feed that you have goes out, and then. You're not getting any more weather alerts, um, so this one's kind of clever. There's, it's a step towards um, making things better. Uh, new Weather Channel app, even if if uh, those other networks are shut down, can get messages through even during earthquakes, tornadoes, and terrorist attacks. When mobile networks can be overwhelmed and may not work, um, the uh, the Android app, geared specifically for developing countries, uses IBM-developed technology called mesh networking that sends messages directly from one phone to another. So if enough people in a place have the app, then whoever's getting data, it shares it out to the other to the other users. Kind of clever. I mean, it makes it it does make sense as a fallback. Um, so uh, the result is that information can propagate even when centralized networks fail. Uh, using Bluetooth and Wi-Fi networks, the app can send data from phone to phone across distances between 200 to 500 feet. Uh, it doesn't add any more battery burden than an ordinary app, and the mesh network can be used without having to reconfigure the phone's network settings. What's the name of this app again? Uh, let's see. They didn't. S it's a weather app. They don't say the name on it yet. Uh, um, no, they don't mention it. They say what the Android one is. It's from IBM. Um, yeah, or the IBM Weather Channel, actually, the Weather that. Channel app. Um, I don't know that they've released it here yet. I think they're testing it out in uh, third world countries right now. Uh, the One Laptop Per Child effort to bring low-cost Linux-powered computers to developing nations tried to use it to improve networking, um, the mesh mesh network. Um, Google Executive Chairman Eric Schmidt hopes mesh networking will help bypass government censorship. Uh, Zigbee uses it. And uh, um, the biggest challenge is getting a critical mass of network nodes. 
uh, in this case, people with phones running the app. So you've got to have enough people to uh, to make it work. Uh, the Weather Channel app is launching in emerging markets in Asian, Asia, Latin America, and Africa. It's a small app by modern standards, just 3.2 megs, and is geared to work even on slow, older 2G networks still common in much of the world. So I don't know. Uh, oh, the, the other thing, though, is... Uh, Mesh networks are also open. They open up a new security concern. IBM's approach uses digital signatures to ensure information sent on the mesh network is from a trusted device and hasn't been modified. Um, that was something I, I I may if we have if we get to it and and uh, I have time and I can find the article. Um, there now for try by or fry. I'll see if I can find it. There's now mesh network setups for at home, so that you can just hook up. Set it up, you know. Hook up a set up a mesh network, and if we get to that tonight, we'll talk about it and give you more details about what that means at your house, as opposed to this one. And then uh, I guess another one. I guess it was IBM's day to announce some stuff. Um, this one is interesting. Uh, researchers at IBM have developed a hub for wearables that can gather information from multiple wearable devices and share it with a doctor. Cutting, potentially cutting down on time that patients need to spend in a hospital. Uh, the gadget, which IBM has dubbed a cognitive hypervisor, funnels data from devices like smartwatches and fitness bands into the IBM cloud where it's analyzed and the results are shared with the user and their doctor. Uh, the idea is that patients can be monitored reliably through the device so they can be sent home to recover from illnesses a day or two earlier than they might otherwise have been allowed. It also means that should there be a problem, the doctor can be alerted immediately and an ambulance could be dispatched if it's a serious enough deal. Uh, IBM demonstrated a prototype of the device in San Francisco on Tuesday. Um, let's see. After powering it up, it said, I am Chio, your new companion. During this time, please touch me to start. Boy, this Every time you touch me, I will tell you about your status. Whoa. This. And then the people from Real Doll have apparently licensed the uh, technology as well. Uh, no, fed with simulated data, the prototype alerted to a low blood oxygen level and a high temperature after it was tapped. So I guess now, so now they're going to have to get you something to make sure that you can uh, touch the device to uh, um, to make it. I guess they, I guess it just tells you your status when you touch it, but it's always capturing the data. Uh, the d device will react to voice commands and interact through a text-to-speech engine. One of the jobs facing researchers is to make the digital speech more realistic and more conversational. Uh, doing that will encourage users to interact with the device, said uh, Rahel Strassli, a researcher working on technology at IBM Research in Switzerland. So in doing this, IBM is not planning to get into the wearables business. Instead, it plans to offer the service as a platform on which other companies can build their own health services. Uh, the prototype's about the size of a grapefruit and is built with off-the-shelf components such as a Raspberry Pi and Arduino boards, uh, but they think it could be made much smaller, um, the manager of their of smart system integration at IBM said. Uh, he said, I think in about five years we'll be, we will be able to have it fit into the ear canal, so soon you'll have a mesh network of wearable devices that connect from your ears, I think is what the summary of tonight's... Uh, I need to monitor the growth is. of hair in my ears. <laughs> Some kind of ear hair Fitbit oh, kind of that thing. That brings a whole new meaning to the term mesh network. <laughs> Made out of real mesh. <sighs> and that's the news. That is the news. All right. Well, 
Awesome. Turn up, turn up Lee again. You have to be on the air with us. He's, he's carrying. We're talking about mechanical keyboards in here, man. Lee's We're having a having great a, conversation. Lee's having a great time. He's he's having the Groove House Flicted party. It's a show without a show. We're talking about <laughs> Flicted. Flicted is, is asking opinions about mechanical keyboards. His wife wants to get a uh, like a split key ergo mechanical keyboard, and so we're talking about like ergo docs boards and what kind of key switches to use. It's a great conversation. And then while you guys were doing the news in the chat, um Jazzer, a new user, joined up, and he's asking questions about VPN services. It's like we're having like the the way better show in here than y'all are having out there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to just turn it over to Flicked and Lee now. <laughs> Flicked's the most conversational when the microphone's off. Yeah, I'm, I'm noticing that. I noticed that. Yeah, there's a whole side of Flicked you haven't really experienced yet until the microphone. Until the microphone's off and the booth goes dark, and we call it Flicked after dark. <laughs> You thought the glue room was fun. <laughs> All right. So we got the phone lines are open here at uh, Technology Byte 713-526-5738. I see we have a call in the queue. Can't wait to find out what this is going to Snap, do. snap, snap. <laughs> Poor Groove House has been this place. I've got, got, I'm wearing got, Groove's ears more, and I'm using got, Groove's microphone. we got more people than we've got headphones and mics. Or listeners. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're not there. <laughs> All right. Groove House. Yes. <laughs> Who do we have up first? All right, up first, uh, we got Gary. Hey, Gary, you're on the air with Technology Bytes. I have a question, but first, I wanted to tell you guys, I've been listening to you for at least 15 years, and you've helped me so many times through all of my computer variations and upgrades and changes and i just wanted to thank you and tell you we're gonna miss you out here well thank you for that we, we appreciate really appreciate that. hearing that thank you and the 15 years lines up with flicted and yeah. so we're going to give you his number and you can call him <laughs> anytime going and i'll give you barrett's number <laughs> well, well i called last week with a kindle mystery and you guys solved it so i have another um, oh, well, yeah, yeah, my yeah. wife and I both oh, yes. got Kindles from her sister, right. and uh, I have a, a desktop, and I've had the same email address for, for 10 years at least, and we both have that same address on our Kindles. So whenever someone sends us an email, I get it on all three devices. Well, yesterday my sister-in-law sent an email with a video and I got it on mine, but she didn't get it on hers, which is weird. And they're both functioning. Why, why would that happen? Is it my Wi-Fi or just a, is the device crapping out? Or is it a what, how does that happen? Is this two separate email addresses? Oh, that's... Uh, they're logged got, into the devices each with the same address, so they should exactly. be getting all the same. It shows up on my desktop, yeah. on hers, and on mine. But this one showed up in two out of three places. And I don't understand uh, why that would happen. Now, is it an email or is it like a text message? No, it's an email. Okay, so I I think I know what might have happened. So on your computer, if the computer gets the message, if chances are the computer might be set to delete mail from the server after it's downloaded, and it may have gotten that message and downloaded it before it had a chance to transmit over to one of the devices. Um. Well, we we have made any setting like that. 
It might have just been a fluke, you know. It might have been a fluke that you've getting, been getting them on all three devices. As I well. knew it. My, oh, well, I have one email address. Right. right. But, so <laughs> let me let me let me. Yeah. Uh, you know, so what happens is when mail is sent to you, it goes to a server, and there it sits. And then any device that's set to check that mail server for new messages, as long as that message is there, it can see the message and download a copy of it. If one of your devices is set to check for new messages and then delete the message after it's received it, then that message is not available to the other devices. Is this a Yahoo email address or Gmail? Hey, yeah, I, yes, it is. AT and T. Do you usually leave all your mail? Is it kind of if you went to a web to webmail, would you see the same messages that you see on your computer and your Kindles? Or I only go to Yahoo. No. Oh, do you check your email through a browser, though, or do you have an email client that you use? Uh, I have an email client. Okay, is that you need to check the settings on that client and see if it is configured to delete mail after you check for new mail on that computer. It's also possible that, let's say, after you looked at it or one of the other people looked at it, they deleted it. Which would then delete it from all the other devices. So, but if I opened it on mine, uh, could that cause hers not to have? Re- no, you if might you be read it and deleted it. How do I think about it? <laughs> well, it could also be that you know it didn't. Once somebody read it, then the other devices didn't see it as a new message. Okay. Well, that you solved another mystery. <laughs> well, we'll go out on a high note, uh, <laughs> guys. Uh, thank you so much for all these years. You've really been fantastic, and I'm going to regret. I regret your departure, and uh, we're going to miss you. Oh well, thank you. Thank and you. there'll be there's plenty of tech news out there, and we're all available on the interwebs, you know, in our various capacities. So go, you know, join Twitter and follow us on the Facebooks and stuff. Now I got to write you at the damn Chronicle. Oh, <laughs> that sucks. Oh yeah, that's another announcement for another time. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Wait, 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 wait. No, all right. Well, thank you so much for being a listener and being a part of the show. We appreciate it. Have a good night. Good night. All right. Well, that was nice. It's so nice to hear nice things. It's really all we're doing is we're just going to get a big three-week fix, hopefully, of people telling us how great we are or were. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it feels weird to leave, and it's certainly been a, a great time being here on Wednesday nights, and we love it. But I tell you one thing. I I'm not gonna I'm gonna not gonna miss getting to bed, you know, at, late at night on Wednesday and having to wake up at the crack of dawn on Thursday. So, getting uh, my constitution just can't. <laughs> all right. Well, I see we got two more calls in the queue, and Groove House is going to tell us all about who the next call is. Yep, the next call is going to be Kenneth. Hey, Kenneth, you're here. Hey, how you doing? Good. I got a, I got a question. I've had two letters from my ISP, and recently I started using Fire Stick with Cody over it. I don't want a third. So I was thinking I would just put a router uh, on and flash it with my VPN. And I was wondering, if I do that, what problems would I be uh, put myself in line for from the ISP? I'm sorry. I don't understand the first part of it. Are you streaming or torrenting yeah. or something? Yeah, well, I'm using Cody on Fire Stick, and that seems to be a gray area. Yes. actually legal enough. It's so uh, what I was going to do was just have my router, fire router, and install my PPN on the router. So Fire Stick would then be PPN. Right. But what I'm wondering is what problems will that cause from the ISP? Because then they'll just see 
in and nothing. I mean, well, if the I, if the ISPs, you know, the chances are, if you're running a VPN, and I don't want to necessarily teach people how to get away with committing crimes on the internet. I'm but, not trying to commit a crime. I'm just, I don't want a third letter. You've already received two letters from your ISP about yeah, was, violating doing, people's but, copyrights? Yeah, it's a bit turn stuff. All right. Well, I will say that if you use a VPN and it's installed properly, you'll probably get away with it for a while. Uh, but if you think you have a VPN installed and, you, <laughs> and you're not really getting away with it, then you are facing criminal charges or being terminated. Yeah, you'll get by that your third internet. letter. <laughs> yeah. Is Cody on fire stick? Is it illegal? Is it copyrighted? All right, so or not? it what and I've only recently become aware of this of this application, but it it is a streaming application that basically ties into the library or the available online content of all manner of things, including torrents. And right. torrents, you know, while there are many legitimate uses for torrenting or you know being able to download. Uh, Files, software, movies, TV shows, and so forth using torrent technology. A lot of it is criminal. A lot of this is copyrighted material that you are, when you download it, and when these people are providing it, you're committing a crime. I'm streaming it, but somebody else downloaded it on their server. Well, they download it on their server, but you've downloaded Technically, even if you're streaming it, you're downloading it, whether or not you save it or not. But by okay. you by you viewing copyrighted content without paying for it, whether it's through a subscription service, a legitimate subscription service, or buying the media or whatever, you're technically you're committing a crime. Oh, and okay. as someone who as a content creator myself, I, uh, I find that somewhat bothersome. I'm not uh, going to necessarily. I I know most everybody I know has probably pulled something off the internet without having rights to it. That's, but you and I and I don't so much have a problem with that happening, as long as the people who are doing it don't try to justify it to me. Everybody does it. It's so easy. I didn't know. Clearly, everybody steals your pictures. Yeah, as, as a person who's you know, so had many many of my photographs ripped off by people who thought you know I can just have that photo and use it on my commercial website. So, if you want to break the law. If you want to commit crimes, that's up to you. But, you know, just realize that you're doing it and that you're running the risk of getting caught. And you could incur penalties and fines and perhaps even jail time. Have a good night. All right. Sanctimonious. The place to to use a VPN and where you should seriously think about it is if you spend a lot of time accessing your, your business or personal data in coffee shops and airports and Places hopefully, that yeah. yeah hopefully, you'd have to use a VPN just to get into your corporate network. Period. No. You well, I mean, even although even for your if if you're if you want if you value your privacy, yes. Because there's a lot of people who use you know oh, I use encrypted chat on my phone and all those other things, and then walk into a Starbucks, crank open their thing, and it's, it's sending your passwords right. across clear. Yeah, text it's. I mean, the the barrier to entry to to set up. We're actually talking about VPNs a little bit in the Geek Radio chat right now, but the barrier to entry is relatively low. There are lots of good providers, um, although you have to do your research. I mean, generally you can get. A hunt for a hundred bucks a year, you can get a subscription to any number of them that that's you know good anywhere and gives you lots of endpoints. If you're particularly geeky and paranoid, you could set up um, 
you could set up like a VPN, like an open VPN setup at your house, which wouldn't help you when you're at your house. But if you're out, you know, at Starbucks or on travel at a hotel or in an airport, you can VPN back to yourself and browse with your home connection securely while you're out and about. There's, it's just so, I mean, it's just so nasty out there. It really is, especially if you're on any kind of public Wi-Fi, and, and I'm including hotels and airports in that. It's radio just, stations. Radio mm. station Wi-Fi <laughs> is so dirty here at KPFT. You have no idea. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, absolutely. Take take steps. The only person who, who you can truly trust with your own security is you. No one else is going to do it for you. Well, yeah, and the thing is, is that, you know, you do want to protect your data. You do want to protect your information. So VPN is a good idea. It's a, it's good, a good starting place. But you, 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 if you want to count on it, obviously you want to you want to implement it correctly to, so that it actually works. So if the, if the the downside of not deploying it properly is going in in this case is going to be you're going to get caught stealing. Oh yeah, I mean as with anything crypto related. If you're rolling your own, you need to be very, very careful, and that's why these turnkey VPN providers are generally a lot easier, unless you're really, unless you really know what you're doing. But even then, yeah, I mean, if I, if it was me, you know, just let's just talk about it from the in terms of protecting your personal data, not mm-hmm. about stealing people's copyrights. But I would run it on my computer. But you know, I, I, if you could install it on your router and protect all the traffic going out, that's certainly possible. Yeah, but. uh what VPN software do you know of runs on a router? Well, okay, so so there there's like there's three different potential things you're talking about. There's there's protecting yourself while you're out by VPNing back like to yourself, right? Where the VPN endpoint is your your house basically. That doesn't do anything for you when you're at home, right? Because you you can't VPN to yourself at home. That protects you when you're out by making sure when you're out and about you can use your but home can connection. But can you do your VPN channel you, from your router to some the will, internet? Some will allow that. I think it's a feature of OpenWRT. Um, yes. DDWRT, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I, I do it from my individual computers. But it's also very, very important, and you cannot emphasize this enough, that a, a VPN is not a catch-all computer condom that you can slip over yourself like in the naked gun when they put the full body condoms on and all of a sudden you're insulated from anything bad. It is a single piece of a defense in depth strategy to protect your privacy, but do not fall into the trap of believing that you click the login to VPN button and now I'm totally cool and I can do whatever I want. I mean, just, you can yeah, go to any site. It yeah. just throws no. you to another location. If you want to kind of scramble where you're coming from, I think more and more people should just go out and go use like the you know go use Tor, whether that's like the Tor browser or go use Orbot for Android. You use VPN and then you just have to use the well, the, browser. And you can do, yeah, you can even mix both. I mean, do, well, the do callers, things you can. The caller's point and what he was trying to come up with is he's, oh. he's streaming pirated videos on a fire stick right and you can't necessarily find a vpn for the fire stick so since the fire Mm -hmm. stick associates with his wi-fi router he wants to have the vpn on the wi-fi router to encrypt all of his traffic going out to the internet from any device yeah i mean that's that's something you you could do you would need to pay for his service. I mean, otherwise, if he yes. does it to his work, because what's going to happen is they'll so that his ISP will still see a lot of traffic coming through. They probably can't tell exactly what it is, depending on what kind of you know cryptography or encryption he's running. But wherever that endpoint is, they're going to track it right down to there. So if he does it to his work address or does it from somewhere else, they're going yes. to find that. What he needs to do is anonymize his endpoints, like where you know his 
packets hit the internet at large in an unencrypted way. And even then, you should still surf to you know SSL sites and do things like that. There's, there's like Jaylee, I don't want to teach people how to do bad things, but there are a number of videos. Like if you were to search for like Grifter and Metacortex on YouTube, you might find a good talk about that. Yeah, and using Tor, I would be really cautious with also because you know obviously no, you know you can't infer intent from from behavior, <clears throat> but at this point in this in this security environment with with the law enforcement environment like it is with the FBI like it is if you if you pop up in an ISP's deep packet inspection sweep as someone who's using Tor you get this gigantic like child pornography flag uh, flashing if, over if your I head. May. If I, I may, if I may, very, very. <laughs> let, me, let me talk about this a little bit because this is a big thing with the EFF with the yeah. yeah, and it's a few different issues too. So, the main issue is that yes, this this kind of thing will, when implemented properly, will you know randomize and anonymize quote unquote a lot of the traffic. And yes, a lot of bad people like uh, you know child what, what's it called the uh, pedophiles. Yeah, the ped pedophiles. <laughs> those guys. <laughs> guys. Those guys will do things like that. Too. And you know, there's been like a lot, you know, some opsic stuff and some anonymous stuff to kind of root those people out of there. There's also been the government, you know, like the FBI going out and installing like more or less like trojaning the Tor browser and you know putting stuff on there to see you know what people are doing. And that's good because you do well. It's not good. You you do want to stop. It's good in the sense that you know what maybe if it, it you know it's a think of the children kind of approach, but in a very serious, very over the top kind of way. And we really do want to prevent that. But the issue is when you start labeling this as hey, this is only a tool that criminals use. It's like saying, hey, only only you know criminals want to tell secrets. Only a criminal would want to tell his mother something that no one else could hear or his wife something no one else wants to hear. So the idea is that, yeah, when you download this, you're probably going to go on, going, going to go on a list. And, yes, your ISP can see what's, you know, what's going on there. But just like back in the day when, you know, SSL encryption, like HTTPS sites were few and far between, and people were like, ah, oh, he's going to an SSL site. It must be something important. If you look, almost every single site, even sites without logins, are going SSL. And even the browsers are taking the stance of like, hey, instead of showing you a green lock when you're secure, we're going to start showing warnings when you're not secure because we want you to pay more attention to that. So I would say go download it. Don't do anything bad with it. Take your risks. But the more Tor traffic that's out there, it's the hard, you know, the harder it is for them to, to get a lock on you, I think. And people, you know, freedom fighters, journalists, you know, a lot of people can really use this. So right. it's it's a double-edged sword. But, you know, you've got to decide if what you want, I suppose. <laughs> Everyone has to decide. But if you decide, hey, free, you know, freedom and privacy, go try Tor. Or at well, least go read up on it. Well, also, you, you don't have any idea, like, if you do subscribe to a VPN service, if they get their records subpoenaed, they could turn over IP addresses that are connecting and using mm -hmm. their service. That's, Plus, there's a lot of shady VPN services because you Well, there's a lot of yeah. shady VPN services, but at the same time, that's why a lot of the shady VPN services specifically state that they uh, redirect all their logs to dev null. They don't keep logs. Well, so if they ever get subpoenaed, they will have nothing. nothing. Yes, yeah. but one of the biggest problems in choosing a secure winning VPN is that exact issue. There's no way to audit those claims for almost any of those companies. Ours did a, a, a write-up um, a few months ago. I Actually, I guess it was about a year ago, um, comparing VPN, or VPN providers who say that they dump their logs to VPN providers who have been, where records have shown they've been audited by law enforcement agencies. Um, and there's just a really high correlation between companies that provide VPNs that 
say they dump their logs and companies that don't actually dump their logs. Well, there's a small subsect out there, too, that you know puts up <clears> websites <throat> and VPNs and says, hey, come on, it's really, really cheap price in the log, what you're doing. And then at some undisclosed point in time, they'll be like, hey, we know you went here. If you'd like us to yeah. quiet this down, do this. <laughs> so that's the thing. Unless you know who's running it, you really can't do that much. So it's really hard to find trust out there. Very. Yeah. The, well, and I guess to circle back to the whole the idea on using a VPN to be secure in places like you know, when you if you travel or if you're in a coffee shop, that's that's just to protect you from local sniffing of you putting in your passwords and and those kinds of things, as opposed to a I don't know deep cover um, freedom fighter operational deal. You know, there there is a point. You know, obviously that it is part of the spectrum, and a VPN is sort of the start of a lot of those things. But some of that is just the, I guess the main thing I wanted to say or put out is, you know, if you're out there publicly using public Wi-Fi in places, think about it. And there are some things, the VPN thing, a lot of the issues that we were just talking about are sort of irrelevant if you're not doing anything that you're trying to keep secret. If the whole thing is just about being secure, which I, I think I... That, that the distinction is to not get your password, your username and password, lifted off 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 you know clean text off of uh, off of a Starbucks. Network. I would still like my clear text and stuff to be secure, and most passwords are right. locked. So VPN, I mean, the idea is I mean for secure, VPN. secret, secret too, secret and secure. I get that there's well, that VPN interchangeable, keeps, but the, secrets aren't gives bad. you that first layer. Oh no, I'm 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 just saying that that uh, just keeping yourself secure. The thing is, a lot of people um, are just going in ignorance, and they don't realize that. You can hook up. You can set up software very easily and just watch what's flying by. If you, uh, if you're using encryption for uh, for all of your your communication traffic, then you don't have to worry about SSL. Yeah. Mm. Right. The VPN <laughs> thing means that even if you go to a non-encrypted site and log in, they can't see your uh, password. Oh, you said this SSL part means that, or the VPN <clears throat> part means that? Yes, SSL, SSL means super that. super. Log in. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean going, going super safe. Going to a super website, log in, in. Yeah. in the same coffee shop. If you go to a website through with HTTPS versus going through a VPN, um, I think those are those are roughly equivalent. You can still get the. But on the VPN, you could go to the HTTP to an, a regular HTTP site that's not secure. And your stuff isn't going to be viewable, like. At but the, won't be viewable in the coffee, coffee shop. But the thing is, people are going to. But it could I be viewable to, like, on any router in between from yeah, the VPN there. out to that side. I would rather have SSL than a VPN. That's just really? me. I yeah. would. Oh yeah. I mean, well, because SSL's end-to-end encryption. Yeah. I, I agree with I agree with that. I would rather not really mess with. I mean, when I'm out, I will real quick SSH tunnel home and shove everything through that because it takes. You know, two seconds to type the command and it starts off and goes. But I mean, if if I don't do that, it's not like it's the end of the world. It's not like I'm going to be leaking data out everywhere because the majority of the sites that I visit, uh, including you know checking email, looking at work stuff, it's it's SSL encrypted. And generally, unless you are the target of a state-sponsored actor, um, you are probably going to be secure enough. You know, I just type this into chat, and it is an adage that is true. If you find yourself standing next to a hobbit and a hungry dragon, you don't have to outrun the dragon. You just have to outrun the hobbit. <laughs> All you have to do is be more secure for the than the next guy is, 
and that pretty much defeats any kind of opportunistic attack because the people looking to opportunistically sniff data will just go grab somebody else. My wife says that all the time. I don't have to be faster than the criminal. I just got to be faster than you. (laughs) Have some more pie. (laughs) There you go. All right. So we, uh, I see we got one more call in the queue. So let's go ahead and take that call before the top of the hour. Groove house. Yes. Who do we have up next? All right. Up next, we're going to speak with Rick. Rick, you're on the air with Technology Bytes. Hey, here you're going off the air. What happened? Well, we just decided that it was time. We're gonna we're gonna take mm-hmm. our take our tech and go home. We're, we're, we found a farm upstate that the show can <laughs> it's run. It's really nice. And <laughs> there's another there's a girl show with, there for it. Play with other radio shows. Mm. So we, it's kind of like the tablets and the mobile devices are taking over and that sort of thing. Well, I think in in some regards, you know, when we started this show 22 years ago, technology was pretty mystical. It was mysterious to the average person. And now, you know, people are walking around with iPhones and tablets. Now it's just annoying to the average. Yeah. The questions have kind of changed from from how do I... How do I function at all to more detailed spyware stuff? Well, when we started, yeah, people were like, why do I even need to go on this Internet thing? What is it, and why do I even need to go on it? Yeah. And now it, that's not a, it's not a big question. Everybody kind of knows. And that's the only answer we have. So. <laughs> we, 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 we shot our wad probably 15 years ago. Trumpet it, Winsock! <laughs> Giving me flashbacks. I wasn't even on the show then, but I was having trumpet. Win- I was still having trumpet windsock problems. I remember windsock and dial-up and uh, what was that program used to run? Linux or Unix boxes to emulate a slip PPP uh, triple T access or whatever. Yeah, PPP. yeah slip PPP. Yeah. Well, anyway, t- I digress. Um, yeah. <clears throat> not sure if you can answer this one. It's kind of a tricky one. Oh, challenge accepted. It's an Asus router. I've had it for, gosh, two and a half years. It's an RT AC87U, you know, with the four antennas on it. It looks like a stealth fighter with four radio antennas on it. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, it's VPN, too. I use OpenVPN. I'd I'd rather use IPsec, but uh, it doesn't support that. Um, The the only reason for IPsec is because my iPod... uh, has uh, IPsec on, on it and PTPP, I think that's what it's called, or PTPP. Don't go to the bathroom here. Go to the PTPP. But anyway, again, I digress. I guess that's another question I could ask. Real, That would be easy. But the main thing is what I used to do is I used to leave home, not worry, because I could always turn on a computer using – you know, I can log into the uh, router, uh, VPN into it, and go to the section where it has the network tools, go to the Wake on LAN. I have two MAC addresses plugged in there, ready to go. Tap on the MAC address and uh, hit the Wake on LAN button, and voila, nothing happens now. Now, before you go any further, it's, it's, I can guarantee you it's not sending out magic packets because I had a, a, a sniffer on it, and it detects, you know, except for UDP, and uh, port 9, and if I send it from any other device that has Wake on LAN within the sub-network, no problem. I, I can see the packets, whether it's from my mobile device or my iPod, no problem. 
when I try to initiate the wake outline packets from the router, and you know, I'll log in to the router and initiate the, the wake on land, it's just crickets chirping, no packets. If I was doing this at a past job as a network admin, I would ask about helper addresses, but I don't think that's necessarily applicable here. I think I think that the the packets are being sent on the wrong interface and are going out to the internet at large and waking every device on the internet. <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> now you know wake on land packets don't route. So so <laughs> when you, you need yeah. helper address. So when you say that you're are you trying to do it from the VPN connection or you actually log when you say you're logging well, into that for the VPN connection has work. Now I just recently had an update to the firmware so maybe they broke something I'm not sure but I guarantee you this, I, I can see the, you know, when I initiate wake on land packets from any other device, it could be from my, my phone or my iPod, and I direct them towards uh, the Mac on my computer. Uh, it, it the packets up. show up. I press up. the button, and, and the packets magically appear. I'm using TCP dump oh. to, uh, to view them. Mm-hmm. And, Is it the... Uh, I see them. Let Bear, let them from, one... Yeah. One thing you can do that's pretty easy that you, if you're comfortable, and tell me if this is just completely out of the question. Are you comfortable flashing firmware onto your Asus, onto your yeah, Barrett, Asus point? Barrett is anticipating. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Ask. I've done it before. Okay, so there's actually I just checked out the support page. So your Asus RT AC87U, if we got that correct, that's yeah. actually a perfect candidate for installing OpenWRT on it. And it's really it's just about as easy as you, know, you go out, you download that. It's probably going to be a zip file. You unzip it, you get a .bin file, and then you can actually <laughs> upload it to your router through the web interface of your current uh, of your current you know the mm-hmm. operating system on there and when yeah. you do that you can actually go in there'll be a software thing and you can add IPsec you can go ahead and add in OpenVPN cool. you can get a lot of these packages that you want Excellent. and there's well, yeah, even a wake on answering a whole bunch of my questions yeah there's cool. even a wake on land package that I use you can go in there to the web interface <laughs> you don't have to VPN in so you could you know have like a static IP address outside it'll even like talk uh-huh. dynamic DNS where if you want to like sign up a service like that you'll always know where it is and can it'll list out the packages yeah, yeah, easily. Actually, there's a whole wake online configuration within the OpenWRT stuff, and then yeah, you could hit a cron job to say like, hey, every day at 3 p.m., boom, uh-huh. send out a packet and wake it up. But go check that out because it really does. You kind of got to know what you're doing, but once you, if if you're not scared, sounds like you do. Sounds like you do. Sounds like you're, you're gonna be fine, level. and it's a huge playground. Yeah. Like anything, it's all enterprise level stuff. Almost. All right, well, good luck. We're gonna actually, we're, we're, we're out of time. We're out of time. Right? I wasn't sure, but you 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 saved me a lot of time. Thanks. All right. Thank well, thanks you. for your call. Appreciate it. Sorry, all right. sorry to hear you again off the air, though. Well, well, it's all right. You got a couple more weeks. All right. Okay. Thanks for your call. All right. Well, that music tells us it's time to take a break. It's been an hour here on Technology Bites. We're going to do some station business, and we'll be right back. I'm Jay Lee. I'm Peter Hughes. I'm Flicted. I'm Barrett. I'm Lee. I'm Dwight. And he's... Groove House. You listen to KPFT, you enjoy some of our fine programming, and you have done your part to keep us commercial-free by calling in a pledge of support. 
Hats off to you for taking that first step. But before you settle into that fantastic feeling, don't forget you still need to send in that pledge of support to finalize your promise to KPFT. But be warned, that fantastic feeling will soon follow. Thanks for supporting KPFT Houston. Black history is happening every day. It's time to start thinking of it outside of a day or a week or a month. We hope to inspire you by enlightening you with those people and events that made a mark and should be learned from and forever remembered. Today is February 16th. On this day in 1957, actor LeVar Burton was born in West Germany. Enrolling on a theater scholarship, LeVar Burton graduated from the University of Southern California and made American history when he landed the role of Kunta Kinte in Alex Haley's Roots. Burton is quoted as saying, Roots expanded the consciousness of people. Blacks and whites began to see each other as human beings, not as stereotypes. Achievements and events are not confined to the past. Make sure that you etch your own path in the pantheon of human history. This has been Black History Month 365, BAM 365, where you find every day Black History is made. You are listening to 90.1 FM, KPFT Houston. And now we return to the sad case of Technology Bites. <laughs> we got a Barrett time? We got a Barrett time? No, there will be one. There'll be a final Barrett time. There'll be a final Barrett yeah. time? You're going to be Barrett time next week? Which the well, that's not the final. Be like, well, no. no problem. There will the be a final bear time. Yeah, there'll be one at least. It's one like more any time. other procrastination. He's going to pick the furthest yeah. date, and then when it gets really close, it's going to loom, <laughs> loom up like a bug on a windshield. You know where this is an IT guys, show. That's guys, how we do. That's just, guys. Yeah. It, you know, I didn't have time. I'll do bear time at the the, the last geek gathering. March 8th, I'm going to have the perfect Barrett time. We're going to switch Barrett time to Agile, and we're going to have a scrum on the, at the beginning of the Geek Gathering. This is a standing Barrett time. Oh, uh, I didn't get the Barrett time invite in my calendar. <laughs> Barrett time, best practice. We can't, was, there a, was there a passcode or a bridge? We can't seem to access the call. Yeah, okay, guys, we're going to start Agile now. So what we're going to do is I know we've got 40 people on the line, so just everybody be quiet when everyone else is talking. And we're going to each give our full 30-minute summary of where we are on our piece of the project. It's like called How Not to Do Agile. Right. And I've been master. on, I've been on those calls. Uh, <laughs> How come our productivity went down after Agile? We just got off the call, and then it was time to go home. Anyways. All right, Seven one three five two six five seven three eight. If you want to be on the air, I see a phone ringing. We could get more calls on the line if you want to talk to us in the third to last episode of Technology Bites as we get ready to sign off for all time and forever. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So while we're waiting for Groovehouse to screen calls and so forth, what segment do we have oh, next, well, Mr. Peter if, Hughes? See if the volume is sufficient on this. Let's have to do it locally. Bite. <laughs> Okay, so bite of the apple. Um, Every time I boot my Mac now, I hear the la la la's after the. We've got to figure out a way to hack that in so that when it starts up, it does it the la la la's. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I mentioned it in the news, but this one's specific for Mac. Uh, um, but uh, you know, the people, uh, the people who were tied to last year's interference in the 2016 presidential election. Well, if you're a Mac owner, they have something for you. It's Apartment 28. 
um, is the name of the Russian hacking group. Uh, they've long been known for an advanced arsenal of tools for penetrating Windows, iOS, Android, and Linux devices. Now researchers have uncovered an equally sophisticated malware package the group used to compromise Macs. So don't feel smug no more. Uh, like its counterparts for other platforms. See, the the problem for this is these guys are pros. And not just pros. The, the, you know, there's like the professional burglar. No, this these people are pros at a level that they would be professional in any kind of software development towards these systems. Um, it's the the Mac version of X Agent is a modular backdoor that can be customized to meet the objectives of a given intrusion. Um, researchers from antivirus provider Bitdefender reported in a blog post published Tuesday. Uh, capabilities include logging passwords, snapping pictures of screen displays, and stealing iOS backups stored on the compromised Mac. Uh, the discovery builds on the already considerable number of tools attributed to Apartment 28, which other researchers call Sophacy, Sednit, Fancy Bear, and Pondstorm. According to researchers at CrowdStrike and other security firms, Apartment 28 has been operating since at least 2007 and is closely tied to the Russian government. An analysis Bitdefender published last year determined Department 28 members spoke Russian, worked mostly during Russian business hours, and pursued tar targets located in Ukraine, Spain, Russia, Romania, the U.S., and Canada. So, um, so you may want to start checking, checking yourself before you wrecking get yourself. wrecked by Apartment 28. Um, and there's, all, I didn't mention it in the earlier one, but you know, there's links to all these articles are at geekradio.com, so you can you know read further about it. You know, I you wonder at at this rate with with the kind of back and forth, you know, you start wondering is it when is it going to be time where they're going to have to change how operating systems work to to try to to actually build one that's secure from the ground up and i know that that would be hideously expensive and so on but in the atmosphere that that things run in you know and, and we've talked about it for the internet of things obviously is not secure but at some point you know trying to impose security on these systems after they're already out seems like it's a, a recipe for what about bos for failure <laughs> so, yeah just for go through total obscurity there's just there should be you know at some point i'm guessing they have to turn around to where when you start building the system you build it with security in mind you know like you know like on websites now we do with mobile first technology mobile first approach maybe we should be thinking security first approach no um instead of the like hey yeah me and my friends we did it first and set up this network and it was so cool and now we've released it to the world and so it's just as secure as you had with your buddies and then you know look at email i mean you would think that after the example of email as a hideously insecure and never fixed system that's why it's it's gotten to what you know what the percentage i i really hesitate to look up what the percentage of garbage spam email is i think it might have dropped of some all the last email few traffic years. i'm betting now that all the phishing and ransomware stuff is cranked up that it may have gone back up maybe i mean cuz it it was a uh, i don't know 5 to 10 years ago it was above 80 it was 88% or higher was spam. I think effective spam filters have made it less profitable for those guys to do what they do. On the other hand, it doesn't cost them anything to do it. It just may not be in inboxes. You just may be not seeing much of it anymore. Yeah, that, I, I would, uh, as as a previous mail admin for a, a whole lot of years, <laughs> um, 
I used to get really frustrated by end users who would get, you know, like a couple of spam messages in their inbox and be very upset about it. That they got any. So, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I would always uh, suggest to people that we should have a spam appreciation day. I have a thing. Release turn, the spam. Yeah. We just turn all filters off for one 24 hour period. And then that way, the rest of the year, they would appreciate what they didn't get in their mail <laughs> inbox. I agree so. with that. I agree with that a thousand percent. I get tired of people calling, you know, I got a piece of spam today. I'm very offended. And what I really like are the people that like, like report, like we, we send out notifications like you need to change your password to do this. I think I got a piece of spam. This doesn't look right. That's from us. Come on. <laughs> I Notice think, the business logo at the bottom of the. I think you either need the spam appreciation day, or when you get a call, if, if you're in a corporate support type environment, when you get a call about spam, yeah. you treat it like. Have you ever seen Monsters Inc.? When they have when when the one guy comes back and has a like sock from a kid is on him, and so the the hazmat suited guys. So when somebody calls you and goes. I think I got a piece of spam. You go, okay, we're on alert, and then get 10 guys in, in hazmat suits and go and spray down their entire office with, like, bleach and and see how long it takes before they realize you're being sarcastic about it. And then at least one at a time, they'll stop calling you. Oh, I, I got better ways to make them stop calling me. <laughs> uh, and then a few other quick hits on the uh, Apple Rumor stuff. And this one... <laughs> It's almost sort of this. This is maybe this is why the show is coming towards an end. Um, yeah, it's been five months since Apple launched a new line of band options for the Apple Watch, alongside the Apple Watch Series Two and the iPhone Seven last September. Now, Apple.com has a few notable stock shortages of Series Two watch bundles, and to a lesser extent, single band options. So the rumors think that there's going to be some. New watch bands coming out from Apple for the Apple Watch. <laughs> I'm excited. Isn't That's that exciting. Isn't that yeah. thrilling? And so it just, I, I think the the point, I guess, would be that some of this is an indication of kind of where technology has gone in our lives to where it's down. It's become kind of swatchy, I guess, if you were alive in the 80s for that. Um, I think it's because the Apple watch band knockoffs are so good and so cheap now you know i saw a milanese uh, loop knockoff 699 it looked exactly like I mean, <laughs> it probably like turns your wrist green you know, but but it looks really good in the process so. yeah so you get the picture where apple has this huge machine that that does like the old cartoons where they took a sequoia and then whittle it down to a toothpick and the Milanese, you know, we take a solid block of metal and and then we punch out every hole in the in the band, and then some guy in you know Bangalore figures out how to how to right. do it right cheaper, uh, and then sells it for six bucks. Uh, no, now now onto the better rumors. That was just a throwaway. Uh, the iPhone eight, boy, the rumor mills have cranked up in earnest it's on that like one. It's almost coming out. But it's not. Well, some of it, I think, is the reason the rumors have gotten more solid is I think Apple plans to sell a – put in whatever word you want ahead of the word ton <laughs> of iPhone 8s or whatever they end up calling it. And so that means they have to lead their uh, – you know, so their – so production, I have a feeling, is going to start 
a lot sooner than they normally would, and so that they will have you know just half the half the shipping commerce between China and here for in in September will be them hauling Apple phones to be ready to go and when they have the you know when they when the animated corpse of Steve Jobs announces the ten year anniversary of the iPhone or the hologram or whatever he does what if they're trying to get it out the door before the uh the import tax oh, at the border. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know the amount of money that they that that they can save by circumventing that thing. Then Apple may just like dig a tunnel from their spaceship in California <laughs> to China, and they'll just be um, hyperlooping uh, the uh, uh, hyperlooping the phones past the border and out. Yeah, no, we figured out a way to produce them right here, right back office. Tim, right, right behind Tim Cook's office, we have. Five guys. It's all automated. Yeah, it's all automated. <laughs> you just push this button, open this elevator door, and unload the boxes. The, the phones are actually manufactured in the box. Anyways, iPhone 8 rumors. Um, the uh, Japanese web blog Mako Takara has a new rumor that there will be a 5-inch iPhone model this year. Uh, they state that reliable sources in Taiwan have stated that only the all-glass model of the iPhone will support wireless charging this year. Um, while Apple will also stop including the headphone jack adapter. Um, recently, it was rumored that Apple's 5-inch iPhone would arrive with a vertical dual camera design. This model is said to be nearly identical in terms of specs to the iPhone 7 and iPhone 7 Plus. So I guess the 5-inch is sort of the iPhone SE equivalent um, with uh, having having the other stuff. And then the lastly, I saved the best for last, is of course... Um, Ming Chi Kuo, the the god of Apple rumor stuff, who seems to nail it. Maybe he just works for. At this point, Apple ought to just hire the guy, although he works for KGI Securities. Um, he says that the upcoming 2017 iPhone will feature a five point. The big one will feature a 5.8 inch display with 5.15 inches of usable screen space. According to new predictions from Ming-Chi Kuo, he believes the iPhone 8 will use a 5.8-inch OLED display panel, but that some of the space will be reserved for virtual buttons. Uh, it's been rumored the, the display is said to take up the entire front panel of the iPhone, effectively eliminating bezels, which means Apple will eliminate both the current home button and the current Touch ID fingerprint recognition technology used in iPhones. Uh, Size-wise, he says the OLED phone will have measurements similar to the 4.7-inch iPhone, allowing for one-handed operation. That's the regular one, not the Plus. Uh, such a size is possible with a 5.8-inch panel because there won't be any extra space outside of the display so that uh, essentially the metal part disappears and the larger screen goes into the next smaller form factor. Um, let's see. Quo said... Uh, uh, in previous research notes, Quo said they'll include glass bodies and wireless charging, but he's not gone into detail on other potential features. He does, however, say that the OLED iPhone will be the, quote, the only bright spot, unquote, in the 2017 iPhone lineup, suggesting only minor improvements for the other two devices. So um, there's rumors that uh, battery life will be another major change in the OLED iPhone, with Apple expected to introduce a stacked logic board design to support bigger batteries, batteries and longer battery life. Uh, in today's report, Quo says the iPhone 8, though similar in size to the 4.7-inch iPhone 7, will feature a battery capacity similar to the iPhone 7 Plus. 
So that's a pretty substantial jump up. Uh, with the radical design changes, battery improvements, and new biometric features, Quo expects this is the bad news part, expects the OLED iPhone to cost in excess of $1,000, a pricing rumor that was also shared by Fast Company last week. Quo does not expect the high price point to significantly impact sales due to the quote, innovative user experience offered by the device. He believes Apple will ship 100 million iPhones during the second half of 2017, with 60% of those to consist of the higher-end OLED iPhone. So they got to start producing soon to be able to have that kind of number available to sell. Either that or Apple, if they just want to do the ultimate scam... (laughs) The specs would be more amazing, even more amazing, and they just never produce them. They just collect the money, shut down the company, and scatter like cockroaches. They could bring in so much money that every employee of Apple could be could be handed enough money to go make a new life for themselves somewhere later in a different, you know, diff- under a different identity. And that's all the Apple rumors for tonight. So I uh, see we have some calls. All right. Seven one three five two six five seven three. If you want to be on the air in the third to last episode of Technology Bites, Groove House, Groove House, just sit in Lee's lap. Yeah. No. <laughs> <He wants laughs> to. Who do we have up? Lee should sit in Dwight's lap. No. Yeah. <laughs> this is good radio. Better yet, everybody just take a turn sitting in Jay's lap. Hey. <laughs> no. All right, Groove House, who do we have? All right, up next on the second half of the show, we're going to kick it off with Tony. Tony, you're on the air with Technology Bytes. Hey, I've been listening to the show for a long time and had a few questions off and on throughout the years that you guys were able to help with. Some some of them were crazy and never got figured out. But uh, sorry to hear about what's going on. Are you guys going to do the head, Mac headroom thing and start uh, pirate broadcasting? There's talk about possibly pirate broadcasting or carrying on in some kind of podcast form. Uh, the, the website will stay up. The Facebook page will stay up. So, you know, keep an eye on that for any possible developments. Okay. All right. Well, good luck, you guys. I'll keep my ear to the ground. Hope I'll find you later on. All right. Well, thanks for your call. All right. All right. Go Oh, that's cool. That was nice. All right, Groove House, who's up next? Up next, we're going to speak with Tom. Tom, you're on the air with Technology Bytes. Hey, I called you a while back about drones. Uh, oh, I yeah. Another, yeah, I had another question. I have a uh, Samsung uh, DVD player that I, I used to be able to stream movies through from my uh, computer. I have a uh, hard drive that I play my movies off of, and I just stream them via Wi-Fi. Well, they, it stopped working because they stopped using the Samsung Link. So you're no longer able to stream the movies to the DVD players. So I'm wondering, uh, is there any way that uh, I could uh, get the DVD player to see another um, streaming device other than uh, what they used to be? Hmm. Do you have... Uh, do you have what what kind of TV? Is it like an LCD, you know, flat screen with HDMI yeah. on it? Yeah, it 
the kind of the cheapest way to get where you can send stuff from your computer via Wi-Fi to your TV would be get a Chromecast or a um, Amazon like Fire Stick. The Chromecast I think is the cheapest thing, and it basically plugs into an HDMI slot, and then you can stream the high definition video from you can if anything you can watch in Google Chrome you can um, you yeah, can you don't stream even to, your, special to your TV on the computer just Google Chrome. Oh well, that's neat because um, I do have a well I do have even a plug on the TV. It's the one that. Uh, it was right before all the smart TVs came out, so it's a dumb TV at the plasma. So I just didn't know that. Uh, and when they disabled that, I've got I can see the movies, but they won't play because it doesn't see the Samsung link. And I thought, well, why doesn't it see another uh, streamer? You know, something that like uh, Windows Media. I guess it just doesn't see it. I don't know. Yeah, well, pr- presumably there was something they were doing to, you know, force you to have to use their particular product or... Um, Depending on the type of, of uh, movie files, uh, you might, and, and your TV, you might, if it has a USB port on it, you might also be able just to plug the hard drive directly into the TV. Of course, if you have yeah. a thousand movies on it, then it would be a pain to go... Fl- oh, yeah. Flipping through them. <laughs> I, I like streaming movies, but the problem is that when you watch them, you can't fast forward and go through menus because when you make the file, uh, you can only make one file. You can't make all the menus because that's different files, and you know you can't uh, go through each movie and go, okay, well, it's not like a DVD. So you take everything and make one file. That was a pain to do. But when I finally got it done, okay, you got one file, you play the movie. Well, you want to go to another part or you happen to stop it may not go back to that same spot but other than that it does work pretty good and uh, one more other question you guys know of uh, i know you're talking about oled are there any tablets out right now that uh i need something to see in the daylight or in the sunlight uh, something that's got the best brightness out there uh, tablet wise how's the hmm. ipad do in the sun dwight the uh the new one the ipad pro uh, does really one. well the big one yeah yeah and and actually I think I think there's a regular sized iPad Pro but it's uh, that that screen is very nice it does does pretty well in the sunlight okay all right well thank you sir all right thank you for your call okay all right bye uh, does Plex require a subscription is there like a no free version? it does not it used to but. Well, you have you, you, you have, for some you, features maybe is that how yeah, it does? I've, I've never used it with a with a subscription. No, you, you create a login for it, sign in, but it, it, subscription allows you to do stuff like download uh, your files to other. Uh, oh yeah, you can do remote, ac- remote access. I think requires yeah. a subscription yeah. now on Plex. But yeah. no, but Plex is free, and I st- I use the free version at, at, for all of my media. I do too. I it love sure it. helps. To, the Chromecast thing really helps on cutting the cord because we did. At, at my house, and we have a smart TV in the master bedroom, and um, keep it firewalled. And watching, mm. uh, um, dumb it down. <laughs> watching it, there, you know, we don't even have an antenna, so like there was a PBS show that we really liked, and it's great to be able to just pop it up on your laptop and and start and it, and there, then yeah. then cast it to the TV. And... So you don't have an Apple TV? You have an Apple TV, right? No, I really, Peter. <laughs> 
Well, let's see. The smart TV, I got a like screaming one of those. I got an email from Costco where it's uh-huh. like for for you know forty five days you could buy this this like a forty three inch Vizio smart TV for two hundred and fifty bucks. Vizio's the one that spies on you. So. Oh, okay, well they can. We don't like, like that. They know that we watch PBS uh, <laughs> by by streaming, but uh, um, no. Uh, so so you know. Adding another 160 bucks or 180 bucks for the Apple TV didn't make sense. I have a, I have a PlayStation 3. I hooked it up. It's mm. got Hulu. It's got mm. uh, um, you know Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon, Amazon Prime. So that took care of those. And then the rest of the time, you know, if it's on a website, then we stream it. Mm-hmm. Then we Chromecast it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'd love to have the Apple TV thing. It just wasn't worth it. Um, it hasn't been worth it yet to get one and do it. So, so I haven't, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, well, and, and it seems like it's kind of topped out, you know, I mean, it does, it does seem like it's topped out. Although if you've got an iPhone and you've got a Mac, then being able to just, you can, it's just very easy just to stream from those devices to the Apple TV and you don't have to, you know, worry about much of anything at all yeah and the day will come i mean the home kit stuff i mean I, i've started getting into some of the home automation stuff and that but uh it just hasn't you know at at the time it was kind of like you know turning a 250 dollar tv into a 500 hundred dollar tv and not really getting anything extra for it didn't seem like the didn't right. seem like a winner so uh um i guess we have one more caller right yeah groove house yes who do we have up up next, it's John. John, you're on the air with Technology Bites. Or, maybe. 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 Or, or oh, are now you? you are. Oh, he wasn't yet. Sorry. Sorry, you're on the air now. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> um, what, what's not working is my uh, accessory microphone. I have a, a Toshiba laptop that was uh, done before they put uh, cameras and microphones on the laptop. So I bought an auxiliary from Logitech, and there were a few times it worked properly on Zoom, both the camera and the microphone, and I'm aware of where the little mute button is so that I knew I was unmuted, yet nobody could hear me speak. And um, it it was working properly after I had downloaded the uh, upgrade of Windows 10, and then it's just stopped, and it's a, a, a new microphone at less than six or ten months old. So I just – and when I looked at uh, the – up uh, to do an update at Logitech, Microsoft gave me some warning that their software – that the Logitech software is not approved, and I didn't know if that's really something to avoid or just Microsoft puts that on everybody that doesn't cater to them. Well, I think that uh... – you know, the software has to be vetted by Microsoft to say whether it's compatible or, you know, with the operating system, and they may not have vetted that particular driver software for that particular device on uh, Windows 10. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean there's a problem. It just means that they just can't guarantee it's going to work. I think the first step on a microphone problem like this is looking at – is making sure that the system is actually seeing and using that microphone. That's a good point. Go ahead. Because uh, you know the. If, How do I do that? Let's see. Uh, some the tough part is there's kind of multiple places that you can do it. I think there's a global place to do it on Windows 10 in your in your you know control panel stuff, but there's also on the individual. You, I guess you said Zoom using Zoom, 
often on the actual software you can choose your your input your you know input audio and and your video where you know where it's supposed to get them obviously if you just have one microphone and one webcam then that narrows it down but i don't but often it won't it'll default to to its built-ins which in your case is nothing right and then not work and you're actually though your laptop might have a microphone and that may be and so it may think that it could use it many um, laptops do have a built-in mic he said he, you said you didn't though right you uh, got one I, before it came not out. that i'm aware uh, well it does not have a camera so I'm guessing it doesn't have a microphone either. If it does, I just I'm unaware of it. I wouldn't know I wouldn't know how to find out if it has a built-in right microphone. You can probably Google the make and what make and model laptop is it? A Toshiba called Satellite L505D dash S5983. Okay, and then just going to do a quick search on that. See if it ha- mentions whether it has a microphone or not. Uh, the, the computer model does not come with a microphone. All right. So, that, all right. So, basically, what you have is you have a, a, a Logitech mount, uh, microphone and camera, or just a microphone. It's uh, in, combined in one device. There's a microphone and camera for video. Right. What, dude? What's the model name again? I thought you said Zoom, which was just the mic. So. Uh, if you don't know, that's fine. But if you don't, I think Zoom your head, is the software, software. you use. Zoom is okay. a program yeah, okay. to, uh, to do. They uh, named it mod, uh, Web it? web. It, it's it's like do web communication. It's it's mods. like Skype. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a uh, on 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 settings in that. Um, it looks like in Windows 10 to fix. There's a sound an audio troubleshooter. That okay. might be able to fix audio problems automatically. If you hit the start button, type troubleshooting, and then select troubleshooting from the list of results um, under hardware and sound, select troubleshoot. You know, pick the one that you're the you're the problem with, which I'm guessing is audio is probably the input or microphone. Yes. And, and see what it does for you on that. Or uh, let's see, you know, or there should be like an audio control panel. Um, in your in your settings. Well, here's here's my experience with USB mics and cameras and things like that. Is that when they decide to stop working, it's a huge pain to try to figure out how to make them work again, and it does require a lot of digging into it. So one of the things that I've found that helps is sometimes going in to your device manager and removing. Everything that relates to USB, just uninstalling it until your mouse stops working, your keyboard (laughs) stops working. And then power cycle the computer and let it reboot and re-detect all the hardware. That will tell it to re-detect the USB, which is how your mic and your camera are connected, and have it re-detect that and see if it if it picks that up and makes it start working again. But as the other guys mentioned, also you have to go into like your you have to go into the settings. There's a device settings in the control panel that controls, um, you know, what audio input and output devices the you know that your computer sees that it's using and make sure that it's it, like Pete mentioned that it's defaulting to that device. But it, it's a little tricky to troubleshoot. Unfortunately, it's not, you know, if I was sitting down in front of it, I'm sure I could sort it out. But if you do some Google searches on 
you know, my Logitech microphone is not working, Windows 10, and see what you can come up with and what you can find out on things to troubleshoot. You'll find web pages that will take you through, do this, do that, do the other thing, and you keep playing with it. You might find that it's just something ridiculous, like you've got it muted. Maybe you've just... No, I'm... (laughs) But you might also find out that you need to get some updated drivers from Logitech. Yeah, it looks like uh, if you hit the Windows key and I at the same time, it'll open settings, select privacy, and then click microphones. And the first thing under on, on the Windows 10 deal is let apps use my microphone. And if that's off, then obviously you're toast. Uh, you know, I, I followed you as far as the Windows and I at the same time, so I got settings, but uh, uh, select you, privacy? you spoke too fast after oh, that. Select privacy. Privacy. There it is. Okay. And then microphone is in the should be in the list on the. There's camera. On the left. If it's not showing microphone at all, it may. Oh, not. I, there it is. I see microphone. Click on it. Done. Let apps use my microphone. That's turned on right now. Okay. Okay. Um, and then also look down below and see uh, um, some of that lets you choose which apps can use your microphone and make sure it's on for Zoom as well if that's if that's on your system. You know, I've been using Zoom, but it, it on this list it doesn't show Zoom as one of the possibilities. Is it in a web? Is it run out of a web browser? Or does it have its own app? I think you can do it either way, but you can download an app and install Zoom, and then it'll run locally. So this might be the problem that it, it it's that, that Zoom isn't. Uh, even though I've been using it and it works for the camera, um, I can see the other people; they can see me. <laughs> you might, I can hear I can hear them. Everything works except my microphone. You might try look uh, just for comparison. Since you're already at that section, switch from audio to video or from the microphone camera. to camera and see if camera. it's checked and see if Zoom is in the list. If Zoom is not in that list either, then that's probably not the problem. By the way, before I leave the microphone section, or, yeah, um, there, there's no mention of Skype. It's not on this list. Oh, Skype preview. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Skype okay. better. Skype's very likely to be there because Microsoft owns them. <laughs> All right, I clicked on camera. And we were going to see if Zoom is here. Uh, Zoom is not listed among the... the do you the have list. the Zoom app installed, or do you access it from the website? I thought it. you have to download it. I went to their site and downloaded Zoom. So it's, Okay. Maybe reinstall Zoom. All righty, then. And it should... When you go through the... Inst- if you uninstall Zoom and then you reinstall it, it should go through the process of saying... What do you want to use as your audio input? What do you want to it's use a, as your video? Zoom's a pretty simple install. I don't think it really asks any questions. It just installs does and it, comes like, up. I know like if I use Skype or GoToMeeting or something like that, they have a tester. It that... does give you options. I don't remember if there's a tester, but when you start up Zoom, it does give you options where you can um, pick your inputs. Zoom. I think it's in the upper upper right of the window, I think. And uh, and then I guess the last thing you can try is setting the microphone as microphone as a default device. Uh, if you hit the Win key and X, or right click on the Start menu and get Control Panel. Um, I'm, how do I get to the, how do I, I get well, Control I, Panel? I, 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 I'm reluctant to continue to try to walk you through this okay. on the air. Uh, as much fun as it is, <laughs> um, but 
if you if you do some research on this, because I know Pete doesn't really own a Windows. Do you own a Windows <laughs> computer? Pete's doing this through the Googles, and uh, and he's finding some really good information here that oh, right. talks about you know taking these steps to troubleshoot it. And uh, and I, on the other hand, was actually using Zoom today. Were you? Yeah. All right. Well, well, the, the thing, well, we the place I was taking you. you that you can figure out is go to control panels and to sound, and then go to and then look at what's set as the default okay. as your, for recording, which was would be your microphone, and just just see if your microphone is showing up there, and and you can kind of trace from there. Thank all of you. All right. Well, thank you well, for good your luck call. and have, happy some... retirement or, or whatever you're going to do. <laughs> yes, we're going to go make it rich in the dot com. I'm going fishing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should be our ad. That gone fishing is our maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Thanks for your call, sir. Appreciate it. Right night. All right. Yeah. See, my my Zoom just worked with my my my. Uh, is it no? Mine's a Rocket Fish. Actually, is, well, is the brand, but it worked with me, the camera and the problems. mic. Yeah, Windows yeah. Ten has been it's been kind of on and off with a lot of the video chatting stuff. I've I've used it way more than I've wanted to, like the last nine or ten months. I think Jay Lee suggests about just taking you know going in uninstalling. Mine is also not Windows Ten. It's Windows Seven. Oh, uh, mine's mine's ten. Even to the point where like it there was a known video driver in the discrete video card that would hang anytime you fired up Skype. So you know, looking at lots of different <laughs> ones, I had to go in and, and actually. Yeah, nice. actually, in the registry, force it not to recognize the hardware, and every time it booted up, not to even ignore it either. So, I mean, there are, like, super hardware ignore lists you can do, so it's, like, whitelisting hardware. Um, but, yeah, I would just install everything and reboot it and install it back, and sometimes just the phase of the moon will make it work well, so, you know, and, and also, if he's still listening, uh, you know, if you go down and you click on your sound icon down by the clock, I think it's the same in Windows 10, there's a audio control panel, and you can tell different apps or, like, your web browser to do this or do that, so you have a mixer. So you want to make sure, mm -hmm. as was mentioned earlier, that you're not pushing or asking for something that doesn't exist or just or denying it altogether. True troubleshooting style. Also, if you've got, like, um, Google Hangouts or another application that would use the mic and use the webcam, go test that. So that way you can see if it's just Zoom or see if it's, you know, if it's something local to the machine, if it's with all the applications. All right. 713-526-5738. If you want to be on the air with us tonight, we're taking calls. We've got Dwight Silverman of... Uh, I would say you're from the Chronicle, but really you're the guy with the cats. Venus, Venus and Milo. We all know the, the father cat's of name. Venus and Milo. You may have some of the most famous cats in Houston. I'm willing to wager. You think so? I know. I I'll tell you this. I'm surprised at how many people say when they meet me, like say, "Oh, I love your cats." <laughs> well, I'm, Dwight, you know you're 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 a, a seasoned internet veteran. You know, pulling the trigger on a couple of cats to then parade well, like on when the you don't kill the cats. <laughs> Wait, hold on. No, but you know, you can't go wrong posting pictures of cats to the internet. Yes. There's, you know, you'll get the you get the occasional haters. You get picked on by a radio show that's lost its you know way. We but, love cats. <laughs> but overall, if you post a picture of a cat, I don't even have a cat, and sometimes if I want to get likes, I'll just post a picture of a cat on the Facebook. Because <laughs> Works every time. You like farmer. <laughs> so you're not trying. You're not going to try to make the parrot thing happen. Just make parrots. Oh, Dooley is well loved cats. by all of my friends on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> Dooley would be good on, on video or maybe a Facebook live session every now and then. Just yeah. not with a cat. <laughs> uh, 
All right, death match between Billy the parrot and no. Venus and Milo. I think my bird would probably. You have a, how about just a cute off in pictures only? They so would that's probably run it. screaming. <laughs> you know Milo would. Sissy cats. All right, well, do we have another segment there, Peter? We do. I've come prepared. Oh, hooray. Finally. In the geek world, we hear about new gadgets and gizmos every day. But can they stand a dip in the snark tank? So here's an interesting one that, that I don't know, I read the headline and you kind of go, okay, is this is this a good thing or not? Um, the headline is, Google Assistant can share your personal info in Allo chats. Which Allo is the you know Google's uh, chatting, uh, um, and the idea is that it's acting as a virtual assistant. So it is not a like security hole where Google Allo, if somebody texts you the correct things, that then it will you know what is what is Jay's credit card number in a chat, and Allo helpfully says, "Do you want the Mastercard or the American Express?" Now, uh, f- um, for now, Allo is the one place where regular Android users can get a taste of Google Assistant. The AI helper that's otherwise reserved for Google's own Pixel phones, which Barrett has a Pixel phone. Well, they're so. spinning down the Google Hangouts API over this, too. I don't know if we mentioned that before, but yeah. Now, it, it, a lot of things aren't going to go away, but as of, I believe it's June 24th, no more support, and they're not licensing any more developer keys or application keys for it. Uh, you can call on it during a chat with one or more folks, and it can do a search, set reminders, and even tell a joke. Google's just given it a new trick that should make it more useful, letting you share contacts, calendar appointments, and other personal info. Uh, to use it, you just type at Google and then tap the assistant when it pops up. You can then ask for a meeting date or airline reservation, for instance, and it will privately show you any of the information it can find. From there, you can tap share now to show the info to other parties in the chat. So, you know, I, I guess that kind of makes sense so that you're not that, – that that seems like it'd be faster than like what, what – you know, when's your flight come in? What's What gate is it And that where you have to then go search and and uh, you know, go on the web and find all that where this assistant would know where it is on your system? So it's like a glorified paste. That makes it easy to quickly give pals a contact number without having to look it up, for instance. Or if you're trying to coordinate a work trip, you can have Google Assistant give your hotel reservations to colleagues – during a chat, um, Google Hangouts has had similar capabilities for a few years now. Um, it'll even listen in to, to conversations and let you share your location if someone asks where you are. And then, and then, <laughs> the Google version of Clippy will pop up. <laughs> I see you're planning an itinerary. Can I send it to your friends? <laughs> Facebook recently <laughs> launched similar capabilities for its M Messenger. AI Assistant 2. It's debatable whether they'll make you more productive, but uh, Google needs to draw interest to Allo however it can. <laughs> this is from uh, Engadget saying that. Um, you know, it, clearly they're still kind of working on how the voice... Remember when the big thing was voice controlling your computer was going to be the big deal, and now it's this assistant thing. And, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth. I... I wonder is the you know Amazon Echo and those things 
is are they really in Siri? Because I've not gotten deeply into using Siri. I know some people are very into it, but is some of this is this going to be a fad that then passes, or do you I think, think it's going to stay? I think the home automation stuff, like just talking about Echo, I think that's going to stay. Like that's actually you know, and, and Lee can probably say the same thing. That's been in my house so long that when I go places and it's not there, <laughs> in the morning I'll be like, you know, like Echo, turn off lights or Echo, turn off TV, and just nothing happens, and I have to like do a beat and be like, okay. Hold on. Do you oh, have, yeah, I'm not, do you have it set with the echo trigger word? I've got a four or five of them. So different. if they're within earshot of each other, they've got different names. That's the other horrible thing, too. I'll try to turn on music in the morning in the shower, and I'll like scream the wrong name for two minutes until I wake up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's like getting your kids' names wrong. Only, you know, hopefully they don't tell Amazon. Yeah, I've had one. My wife got me one right after they came out. She was a Prime user and got the $99 for And so she just got it for me. And... And it gets some use, mostly by her uh, setting timers while she's cooking. Yeah. And that's like, the you know, because we're in a small apartment, home automation doesn't make much sense because walking over to turn off a light is not a big <laughs> Alarms are really nice, too. Like, you know, before you go to bed, right. you know, Google set an alarm. Or, I'm sorry, Alexa set an alarm for such and such a time. And like, mine wakes me up in the voice of Alec Baldwin, which is awesome. Alec Baldwin goes, you know, hey, wake up, sunshine. You know, you know who gets the early word? Early it's Something like that, anyway. <laughs> I'm usually asleep and it goes on. But yeah, you know who really gets the early worm? You know, Alec Baldwin does. Something like that. But, the early bird says the wake word? Something like the, that. I have no idea. The kind of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross type. It's uh, very Alec much Baldwin like that. Speech. Only no, no, you know, no steak knives, no profanity, <laughs> really. Just just you and Alec Baldwin. I usually cut it right when the, when the thing comes off because you really don't want to be in bed with Alec What's Baldwin. What's my name? My name is Echo. Call me Echo. You know, I still, honestly, the, the biggest use I've gotten out of Siri, you know, I use it for lights and to do all kinds of, like, home kit stuff. But honestly, the most convenient, biggest use I've gotten out of Siri is asking her to set timers while I'm cooking. Like, if I'm in the kitchen and my phone's on the counter and my hands are dirty and I have to, like, throw a thing in or flip a dial or whatever and, like, you know... The next step in the recipe is to wait for six minutes. It's like I'll just yell out, "Hey Siri, set a timer for six minutes," and it just it just works. It's and it's kind of Star Trekky. It still kind of feels cool to just be able to like yell out into the ether, and your magic computer servant box sets a timer for you. I use Siri mostly in the car to send texts to people, and I like that Siri knows that uh, my that I refer to my wife as my wife. So I say, "Text my wife." that I'm stopping at the store, what the hell do you want? <laughs> and, and it sends that text exactly, you know, a word, you know, and it checks with me to make sure that it's correct. And and it, 90% of the time in the car, when it's connected to Bluetooth, it does a really good job of that. So Text my wife, it's Valentine's Day, what the hell do you want? <laughs> exactly. I guess I, some of it I tried may have tried it when it was early on, earlier on when it was frustrating to use Siri. So you tried to do a text and it got nowhere close to what you were saying. It, I, I think in, in vehicles, it depends on the vehicle. Like I, I, in a rental car that I got recently, I tried using it there and it wasn't as good as in my car. So it, you know, probably where the microphone is placed and the sound level in the car, but uh, in in a 2014 Toyota Corolla, it works. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I for timers, it's like I keep. I always think of it after I've already. You know, it's one of those where I've taught myself already. Where you whip the phone out one-handed, go to the timer app, and I've got the time already set before you know to count down stuff for cooking, as opposed to doing. I guess because I've never gotten into the Hey Siri. I always did the where you have to hold down the button to, uh, and then it beeps. Well, I made the, I have the the but, um, the real test for it, 
So both my wife and I decided that we probably don't want to live past, say, like 97. And so it, our birthdays are side by side the same year. And so we have both set a reminder for when we turn 97 to pop up and say, kill yourself. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. You know, if we still have iPhones. By then, the AI yeah, could probably do it for you. You wouldn't yeah. have to have set it. Hey, kill me. You're well. How hey, would you Siri, like to die? Asks so, engage case so orange. Flash, flash forward, and Dwight and his and his lovely spouse are sitting what? are sitting in their uh, their their uh, condo on the moon after their all their organ like, transplants. And, and, and Dwight like... turns to her and says, "Look, they've done life extension. Now goes to three hundred, <laughs> and there'll be a big knock at the door. <laughs> Alarm set. Too late. <laughs> That's right. Let's see when, what." Uh... Hello, uh, Dwight. 2050. <laughs> January Guess 1st, 2050. Uh, singularity hits two months before Guess that. You're fine. Guess what day it is. <laughs> That's right. As a, as a courtesy from Siri, I'm here to kill you. <laughs> this is future Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any can't? I'll be back. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You still have Venus and Milo on the shelf. Yeah. So you may want to get rid of the Google stuff. Just like yesterday, the day before, they a lot of the machine learning stuff. They've been letting it play games and stuff, and they find out that when it's stressed even a little bit, it gets quote unquote highly aggressive. Like it just goes like full nuclear on everything. And it's kind of a peek into like what we could get with a little bit of error right. in uh, in machine learning. The only way and to AI. win is to kill the humans. <laughs> so, <laughs> getting it to watch war games is not going to win this. It's probably not a Matthew Broderick fan. So here's another uh, another one where the headline you kind of go, did that you know? Well, this one I this one Microsoft would be at fault for this headline sounding like it does. Microsoft will unveil Xbox Project Scorpio on June 11th. You know. Project Scorpio. That sounds like your Xbox is then going to be doing some kind of Bond supervillain plot on June 11th. It's actually their 4K. I guess they're finally when they finally release their kind of full 4K capable system. Is it going to be like an improvement on the current Xbox One, or is it just going to be like just that with 4K? The the only th they if you're an Xbox fan who's been anxiously waiting more news on Project Scorpio ever since it was unveiled at E3 last year, now you'll know exactly when you'll get the full scoop. They're going to reveal that their customary E3 briefing will take place on June 11th, and the teaser graphic makes it patently clear that the 4K capable Scorpio will be the center of attention. There are no other fresh clues, so it's kind of I guess you'll have to go see what the Scorpio rumors are and in releases. I'm just wondering, you know, I, I, you know, there's all the fake news. So I, I make, I'll make up my own fake technology news. You know, is that Nintendo has announced that they're going to have four copies of the Nintendo Switch that they'll be at, that'll be out on release day, and uh, everybody else will have to wait. No, we'll have to line up. I, I color me doubtful. It seems to me Nintendo still the shelves are not full with. DS's or what the the cloud the NES Mini I, those those do not seem to have appeared yet. It's now February, and they're not like widely easily available. I, I you know I I may go buy a, a electronics store and just sort of see what's there. But if they can't freaking produce the stuff that they've been putting out for the past oh decade, then I've got to. You've got to color me seriously doubtful that they're actually going to put out enough. Because every time they say they're going to have enough, and then no. But uh, 
Um, I guess we'll see on this one with the Switch. It's it's expensive enough that I think that may help keep the demand somewhat down. Although I have a a a teen, a young teen who just has been telling me how they they really need one by I believe it's um a couple weeks after the long, after the official, you know, launch, then they're going to have the Splatoon 2 like demo weekend thing or something where you can play some kind of demo version of it and it's highly desirable apparently to, you know, participate in in that one, but uh uh, another Microsoft product. Um, this one, I I just hope that it's kind of like Goat Simulator, but it's Microsoft Drone Simulator. Helps you prevent real world crashes. Um, it's open source software. Um, uh, Microsoft thinks that it can help you. Uh, you know, they say it's relatively easy to develop a drone that can fly on its own, but it's another matter to develop one that can navigate the obstacles of real life. Uh, so Microsoft has just published an open source simulator, simulator. So it's like flight simulator. The aerial informatics and robotics platform that helps designers test and train autonomous machines in realistic conditions without wrecking their prototypes. Can you get it on your phone? The tool has vehicles move through randomized environments filled with the minutiae you see in a typical street, like power lines and trees. If your drone can't dodge a tree branch, you'll find out quickly. You can see what the vehicle would see, including simulated sensor data, and the software ties into both existing robotic hardware platforms and machine learning systems to speed up development. Uh, they say this is not meant to replace real-world testing. It's more of a, um, a complement that can either account for hard-to-reproduce circumstances or do extremely repetitive tests so that you don't have to keep launching a drone uh, um, you know, so that your first one could have years of flight time without you having to actually physically launch it. Uh, apparently, it's not necessarily confined to testing hardware. Microsoft sees its tech helping with all kinds of computer vision and machine learning code. Uh, really, this is more of an AI playground than a narrowly focused tool, they say. Whatever the initial goals may be, there are many more possibilities. So did they base it off Microsoft Flight Simulator, <laughs> the code base? Um, doesn't it's open source. Uh, looking at the pictures, it doesn't look like. It's based on the Unreal Engine for autonomous vehicles by Microsoft AI and Research. It's out there on GitHub. It looks pretty cool. But it looks like right now it's you can get a couple of like uh, joysticks that you can put into loopback mode. Like I know Flick, I think you might have played one at DEF CON or maybe. Someone's with me. Who knows? But yeah, you can actually fly it around a room. This is more for like if you program an autonomous vehicle, you hook it up to that, and then you lit. You see how it performs in that world. It's not so much a video game where you're flying drones around in a VR space. Although it looks like you can certainly do that with a couple of plugins. So it's like autopilot mode on Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yeah, yeah. So now I just need to figure out how to hook Goat Simulator up as the drone, and so the goat can just kind of float or, around. Or Goatsy Simulator. Oh. 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 Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to think about the plugins for that. Ooh. No. They're, they're very large plugins. No. Stop. We're going to go out with a bang. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I don't think we should hold that topic open any longer. Um, Get a grip, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what are we on 
Toulouse. <laughs> I missed Coatsy discussions. So. <laughs> okay, well, and so finally, I did. I mentioned I, I found the article that that I had seen that was talking about mesh networks for at home. Um, you know, consumer grade Wi-Fi routers. That they've that's gotten pretty typical. I mean, that's uh, of course that's why your like cable company will rent you one for just. Of course, they get ten bucks a month for it, but they'll throw one in because it's just not that big a deal. Um, I, I like this. Setting up a wireless network in one's home used to mean heading out to a local electronics store, buying the cheapest blue Linksys box in the store, and living with spotty coverage. Um, but now, apparently, there are mesh systems that are really out there and working, and there's enough that uh, I found this at Boy Genius Report. Um, they tested a number of them and and picked out the ones that they thought were best. Uh, the one they liked the best was... Um, from Ubiquity, which is kind of not surprising since they seem to be really kind of hitting that, you know, their their commercial stuff seems to lean towards the high end of, of home stuff. That's what I use. But they call it the, the Amplify HD. Uh, yeah, I tested that a couple of months ago. They gave me a, a review unit. It was, it was, it was nice. And so they uh, um, they they had a review system. Let's see, they first covered it last summer before it launched, and then after revisiting the system again for this for this article, they said they're more even more impressed than they were back then. It's a three. They say it's a three piece solution that has a main router and two mesh antennas, antennas uh, which Ubiquity calls wireless super mesh points. In case you want to refer to them that <laughs> way. Of the three mesh systems, Ubiquity sells the Amplify HD is the most expensive for a few reasons. First, it's the only one with a base station and mesh antennas that all support wireless AC. Uh, beyond network technology, the Amplify HD features six radios and 18 MIMO chains that support throughput of up to 5.25 gigabits per second compared to four radios and speeds of up to 2.35 gigabits per second with the mid-tier model. You know, the thing about it is, you know, on wired networks, you get the speed that your one wire hooked up to the, the router gets, where wireless, you share. So that's why you need, like, more capacity in, you know, so that more people using it at the same time, they each can get their, their full share. Um, let's see. They say although it's expensive, it's they it's a tremendous value. They said despite outperforming every other mesh solution we tested in both speed and coverage, Amplify HD is still priced in line with high-end consumer systems at 338 bucks on Amazon. Now that if you're in an apartment, obviously you can set up one router or go buy a $30 extender and cover your blank spot. Um, the idea cover your this, blank spot. <laughs> comb over your give you give it a wild Trump comb over on your blank spot. Uh, no, but. On on this though the um, you you plug in the main base station connect that to your cable modem via Ethernet and then the two mesh antennas <coughs> plug directly into wall outlets elsewhere in the home. There's indicator lights on the antennas that display signal strength, so you can make sure each antenna is placed at a good range from the base station. And then they have an accompanying mobile app that displays signal strength at each of the system components. You know, the difference for some of you, maybe you were thinking, well, you know, for 338 bucks, I could just buy a couple of routers. Um, the thing is you get into – the mesh thing is all one network. You don't run into any issues of transferring from one router to the other or having to do silly tricks like um, – you know, setting up your IP ranges so they don't overlap between your two routers and some of that. But, and I think we're starting to run down, so we probably 
should take the last few last minutes of the show and take care of some people prepared uh, for the next few weeks. So give Houston some credit. I think that article mentioned that IBM did mesh networking. It was actually a guy from Rice and a guy from U of H in 2008. So they had started right here in Houston. Uh, Joseph Camp and Edward Knightley. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I've got I've got post up on uh, geekradio.com with information about the geek gathering, the 404 not found party, and uh, Facebook is all updated. So uh, we've got two more shows before we close this out. It's been a great run. We're having a good time tonight, Dwight. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Hopefully, I'll, you'll be here for the last show. I'll be at the back at the last show. I'll be stumbling around the mountains of Mexico next week. All right, well, be careful. <laughs> yeah, make sure you don't. That's not like some of your other New Mexico trips where no, you're no, 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 no. stumbling <laughs> around the world. Is it New Mexico or Mexico? <laughs> Mexico. New Mexico. Oh, okay. This is New Mexico. I'm sorry, this is Mexico. We're going to San Miguel the All right. I saw a great argument or discussion on Twitter. They discovered that catapult on the wall, the fence, or the border wall of Mexico. Catapult weed. <laughs> and somebody was arguing it would be better if it was. Uh, it was a trebuchet. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to Technology Bites. We'll see you next Wednesday. I'm Jay Lee. I'm Peter Hughes. I'm Flicted. I'm Barrett. I'm Lee. And he's Groovehouse. You are listening to KPFT Houston, which is supported in part by Houston Community College. HCC has 18 campus locations around the Houston area, as well as accessible online courses, allowing students a full range of options for their academic needs. Houston Community College offers hands-on education, one-on-one tutoring, and small class sizes with a variety of scholarship opportunities. For more information on enrollment and programs, visit hccs.edu. On Saturday, February 18th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., join the Jung Center for a special workshop titled Capturing Meaning Through Video Storytelling. Master storyteller and multiple Emmy Award-winning international journalist Patricia Gross will lead this workshop, teaching participants how to create meaningful video narratives without expensive equipment or prior experience. With hands-on training throughout the day, participants discover how to develop narrative using storyboards and video equipment, from the simplest phone to more robust video and DSLR cameras. No experience is necessary. Please bring your camera, a notebook, and a computer or tablet if you have one. Visit youngcenter.org. KPFT Houston. Ladies and gents, my name is E-Rev, host of Patty's Radio on KPFT every Friday from 2 to 5 a.m.